Welcome into the Thunder Basketball Universe. After an action-packed, star-studded weekend in Chicago, we've got our all-star, Nick Gallo, back from Chicago. He's got enough stories to fill a book, and he's here to share. You're going to want to hear this one. It's the Thunder Basketball Universe. You're listening to the Thunder Basketball Universe. We've got our normal pod crew today following All-Star Weekend. Nick Gallo's back. Welcome back to OKC. It's great to be back. Chi-Town was lots of fun. Our whole crew was there, had broadcast, social media, photography, and myself. We were up in Chicago, and it was a great time to chase SGA and CP3 around. We're going to hear a lot more about that, so hold on to those stories. We also have producer Hindi still here with us. How's it going, Hindi? It's going good. It's not as good as you. Happy birthday, Paris. Oh, well, thank Happy you. Happy B-Day. What, what is it? Is it the big 2-4? The big 2-3. Two, 2-3. Three. Two, three. Jordan oh, year. Oh, the Jordan year. Nice. Jordan year. Big yeah. time. Well, happy birthday. Destined for greatness. <laughs> <laughs> We're all witnesses. <laughs> <laughs> Casual. Like we mentioned off the top, we're following All-Star Weekend. We're also, the Thunder's getting into the second half of the season, so a lot to look forward to on that end. But first things first, Nick, tell us a little bit about what happened in Chicago. From our end, it looked like one of the most memorable, super competitive weekends. What was it like for you? At All-Star, it is effectively the Super Bowl week of the NBA. So it's a convention for former athletes, you know, celebrities, former, you know, players that have made such a massive impact to the game. You have agents, you have people that just are such vital forces within the league, and you're bumping into them at hotels and at the arena and in the back hallways of places. Um, so it's it's definitely, you got to keep your head on the swivel a little bit. And, and it helped that both Shay and Chris were heavily involved in some very cool off-court activities, too. So the first half of All-Star Weekend was for Shea, basically, on court, off the court, like you mentioned. They're doing stuff just within Chicago, league-mandated stuff, but Rising Stars Challenge and then the Skills Challenge. What are the on-court aspects of this like for you? Well, you know, All-Star, you're flooded with media from not just around the country, but around the world. And so... Once you're actually at the arena, a lot of times our access is about the same as everybody else's, except for those post-game opportunities. But beforehand, we get some cool chances to you know, take photographs and video of walk-ins, to talk to the guys like Shay, you know, that first day, he went to this uh, E-League event where he was with the, T- uh, the NBA TV crew. In the meanwhile, like Chris is doing his own thing too. So he attended the Tech Summit he had this very cool video shoot that is still kind of under wraps, but I'm sure people will be seeing it soon. It involves some of his very closest friends Ooh. in the world, um, and uh, so I can't really say more than that, but I'm sure we will see it down the line at some point. And, and so there's like all these things that we're chasing guys around to. You're wishing that you could be two places at once. And Chicago's just like a big city in itself, so you can imagine... 30 teams sending a whole slew of people to one city in this convention setting, just trying to follow their guys around. And like you mentioned, the the media presence at All-Star, I, we just get to follow it on social media and obviously on TV. And so we see all these little things. Like we saw, you know, Shay's, all the shoes Shay was, wearing, Shay was wearing and the shoes Chris picked out and Chris going to 
these different meetings with different league leaders and Shay playing video games. I mean, the media presence is just so huge. It's almost like that in itself is just so much different than what's going on on the court. Yeah, in some ways it almost overshadows what goes on the court. I mean, Chris Paul, we couldn't get into the event, but he was on a panel with Barack Obama on Saturday. And so, I mean, there's that level of thing that is happening at All-Star Weekend that kind of overshadows, like, you know, some of these events that happen on the court. Now, the whole thing is about the fans and servicing the fans, and they love to see the dunk contest and the three-point contest and skills competition and that kind of thing. But this is also a chance, especially for a guy like Chris and a youngster like Shay. this is a, a networking opportunity, mm-hmm. a chance to forge new relationships, um, to make business connections, and also to make connections to, you know, help serve youth. I mean, a lot of what... Um, at least Barack Obama was there doing was community service related. And so the players were engaged with him on that as well. I think I saw it on Thunder's social media, but Obama uh, went and said hi to Shay too while he was doing his community event. Were you there for that? Did you, did you get a little backstory on that, what he said? That was a private event as well. And so we didn't get a chance to, to be a part of that. But just very cool, again, that you know Shay had that opportunity to meet with a former president of the United States while giving back to some kids in the Chicagoland era. And just that's just one glimpse into the star-studded just kind of event that it was. Being in Chicago, they had representation from Chance the Rapper, Jennifer Hudson, and Shaka Khan, all of these big-name, Barack Obama, big-name people from Chicago representing in the All-Star Game. Speaking of star-studded, action-packed weekend, we're just gonna we're just gonna go around the table and talk about the, our favorite moments from the weekend. And mine had to do with a Chicago native who did a tear-jerking performance leading into the All-Star Game. It was Jennifer Hudson, and her. I was. I remember I was in my kitchen and I heard somebody say Jennifer Hudson was about to perform. I went in to my living room and I just stood in front of the TV and she started singing and I had to sit down. <laughs> it was just that powerful, that emotional. And you could tell everybody that was there was equally moved by that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I started to tear up. She did a um, version of the song For All We Know, which is made popular by Roberta Flack. And uh, she nailed it. Um, imagery of Kobe Bryant and Gianna uh, passing across the the Jumbotron there at the United Center. And uh, it was not a dry eye in the place, that's for sure. One of the many Kobe tributes Mm -hmm. that was used throughout the whole All-Star weekend from Team Giannis and Team LeBron wearing 24 and 2 for Kobe and Gianna from the patches on the jerseys and the 24-second moment of silence or the eight-second moment of silence. There was just a lot of memories going around for for Kobe. And Chris, who was very close with Kobe, said that it was pretty tough, I think, for a lot of the the guys to play in the first quarter, basically. They just, it was still really fresh for them, how emotional the the tributes were before the game. And, um, you know, it still doesn't seem real to them. It still feels very surreal until you're seeing the photos on the screen. You're hearing people talk about it. And uh, so... Anyway, once they got into the game, it, it seemed like all of that wore off. But one thing Chris did say is the competitiveness that Kobe mm-hmm. was known for was definitely evident on the court. One thing I thought was interesting that I learned was Chris was actually the one that pitched the new format. I didn't know that going into the game. You know, We were just talking about the new format, and 
I mean, that had a ton to do with how competitive the game was, especially down the stretch. Yeah, it's called the Elam ending, and Chris found out about it a little bit more and more from the the TBT, which is the basketball tournament over the summer, and that's how those games finish. Every single game has to end with a game-winning shot that goes through the hoop of some sort. Uh, in this year's All-Star game, it was a free throw, but you know, 80% of the time it's probably going to be on a jump shot or a layup or something like that. And so Chris brought it to Adam Silver, and it's just that's classic Chris Paul, mm-hmm. right? To just he's coming up with the ideas. He's such a leader. He's you know was the valedictorian of his high school, and you know still <laughs> like heavily involved in just every organization that he's a part of, the head of the Players Association. So uh, that was very cool that he you know led that charge and set the stage for one of the most memorable fourth quarters I think in All Star history. It was so competitive out there. I mean, guys getting into it, taking charges. Taking charges. Like, we never see that in an all-star game. It was awesome. And it was so cool. After the game, when I was writing my recap, I was realizing this is the first time that I've really had the chance in my ninth time covering the all-star game to actually write about, like, X's and O's after the game and basketball strategy and the way that Chris and LeBron were basically trying to manufacture mismatches Mm -hmm. by setting screens late in the game as – LeBron and Chris are kind of pointing out, hey, you know, Anthony Davis has a mismatch. He's standing in the corner. Let's have him do like a little duck-in cut. And that ended up being the way that the game ended. But to actually see these guys in such a high-level, high-pressure situation, working it out and having that on-court communication was so cool. Speaking of strategy, Nick, you talked about on the last podcast the strategy for putting yourself in a position for being MVP. I'm sure it had to have been one of your favorite moments to see Chris Paul in the running after following step-by-step your strategy for MVP. The Nick Gallo MVP (laughs) plan. I'm just saying, he had a chance. (laughs) He was uh, fourth in voting, I think, and he started off by doing what we talked about, which was he made three threes in the first quarter, Mm -hmm. and... We, we said that, you know, if, you, if you're going to have a chance at MVP, you got to hit from the three-point line early on. The one thing that really helped is he was on Team LeBron, and LeBron <laughs> is one of his very best friends. <laughs> and so it was not a surprise that he was on the floor for the entire end of the third quarter and the entirety of the fourth quarter, which I was told lasted over 40 minutes. It was a, it was a lengthy fourth quarter. But it didn't feel like no. a long fourth quarter. I mean, if... if a fourth quarter in a regular NBA game lasted 40 minutes, people would be like, all right, come on, we got to get this thing, <laughs> got to get this moving. Andy, what was your favorite moment for All-Star Weekend? I love the ending, obviously, but I liked the part earlier in the game when they were still throwing alley-oops and goofing around. There was that moment where Russ threw like a half-court lob to CP <laughs> who caught it midair. It looked like he was playing the floor as lava and lobbed it before he came down back to Ben Simmons for the alley-oop. It just reminded me of like playing on that little Nerf hoop when you were a kid and like jumping up onto the couch and redirecting the ball to your little brother or something. It just That was an awesome play. It was kind of one of those like, whoa, did he just really do that? That was impressive. You kind of don't always expect these guys in the first couple quarters to go all out physically and kind of like risk their bodies physically in the All-Star game. But Chris apparently went up to Frank Vogel before the game and was like, I'm not one of those veterans that wants to just play a couple minutes and get out of there. Like, I'm playing to win. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Like, Chris could have, like, Chris put his body on the line for that play. He He, really extended and stretched out. There was that play, and then he dunked. He dunked. 
allegedly his first alley-oop dunk of his NBA career. I did not think he had that ability. I was mind blown. First of all, if he's not going to dunk in a game, I did not expect him to make that dunk look so easy. It looked effortless. Like he didn't ha- it didn't look like it was, you know, trying for him to get up and dunk it. He said that it had to be an absolutely perfect throw and the exact right like leaping angle for him to actually manufacture that, but he seemed to made it look it. good. Yeah. And he did the little pull up on the rim yeah. afterwards, which was really fun too. You know what I mean? It's gotta be the perfect throw, everything. So it was cool. It was cool. Like I said, it's it's nice to get an opportunity to play with those guys because three, four days we're gonna be back to the grind and it ain't gonna be all that dapping up. Like Chris said, it's back to business for the Thunder, who have completed 55 games so far this season and only have 27 left and are sitting really nicely in the playoffs. Nick, I'll pose this question to you. What does the Thunder needs to do to be in their best possible position come April? they got to be healthy. That's number one. Like almost every NBA team, you know, the margin for error is so small. And the Thunder has really shown that that best five that they have is one of the very best in the entire league. They've been towards the top of net rating with CP3, Dennis, SGA, Danilo, and Steven with that group. What it comes down to in these final 27 games is who else can step up for this group and be like solidly counted on rotation pieces for this team. We've seen Nerlens be really, really good in that capacity. And then, you know, it's a matter of figuring out, okay, who's the extra wing and can Darius Baisley get back and be healthy, you know, in back in fine form to contribute. Just a little bit of context in the 27 games that the Thunder has left, 13 of them are, are at home. And right now the Thunder is sitting at sixth in the, in the standings, three and a half games behind fourth place, two and a half games above eighth. So sitting really nicely in this playoff seating position with a lot of room for upward movement as well. Yeah, they're closer to second than they are to being out of the playoffs right now. And as you mentioned, they're almost as close to being in a position for home court in the first round as they are to being in eighth. So it will be a dogfight, I think, for all of these teams in the West to try to stay out of the seventh and eighth spots because it seems... It's so competitive in that top eight of the the standings. Right, and really eighth because the Lakers seem to be a little bit ahead of of most of those other teams in the West right now. But the Thunder is in good position. They have um, quite a few games left that are against teams with sub-500 records, which you you would hope that you can take care of business against those teams. But they also have a ton of games against really difficult opponents. You still have to go to Boston, have to go to Miami, have to go to L.A. to play both of those teams out there. Uh, you know, there are a lot of challenging games left on the schedule right now for this group. And so it's it's going to come down to can they capture some of that momentum? And I, I thought that the win at New Orleans was really encouraging to get some of that mojo back. Here at the Thunder, we like to keep the main thing the main thing. And, you know, I'm going to cut you off right there. The main thing is that it's your birthday today, Paris. <laughs> We're in season. You got to work today. You got to work all week. But it's your birthday week, and so we want to celebrate you. 
Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. And so we, we came up with a little game because oh my goodness. you are just 23 years of age. We wanted to test your 90s sitcom knowledge. And we're going to play you a few like theme songs oh from very popular 90s shows. I'm ready for this. And see how you do. I'm how, ready. So how much of the song are we allowing Paris to hear? I think like five to ten seconds. Okay. Yeah. There's five sitcoms. I my person I think you're gonna get three of them. Okay. So okay, I think you're gonna confident. do well. Okay. Yeah. I think she's gonna get four. Okay. I think she's gonna get four. You guys are we'll really see. okay. Okay. All right. Here's the first one. Friends. <laughs> that was quick. That was Record an easy time. One. That was an yeah. Easy one. You guys okay. gotta get you warmed up. part that I think if you're going to get it you're going to get it now I got nothing <laughs> oh no uh, okay one for two that was Doug that was the that was Doug yeah. yeah oh I only watched a few episodes of Doug come on Paris Hong Kong I think there's <laughs> <laughs> I think there's zero percent chance you get this because I don't think I would get this okay let's hear it. hey baby I hear the blues are calling toss salads and scrambled this one's a little bit more highbrow. So we wanted to go Nickelodeon with Doug. This one's a little bit more sophisticated. Not a lot of kids in the 90s were watching Frasier. No. Oh, it was Frasier. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Dang it. What am I, one for three right now? Indeed, that show might have been off the air by the time Paris was born. Yeah. All right. If you don't get this one, I'll be shocked. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> ah, come on. Took two notes for that one. Okay. This is a story all about how. That was easy. Okay. All okay. Right, last one. Here we go. Seinfeld. <laughs> Thank you, producer Hindi. <laughs> yes. I'm All so right. Happy you got that one. Fun fact: producer Hindi and I have a a culture exchange going on here. He sends me Seinfeld episodes I need to watch, and I send him popular pop songs that he needs to listen to. Absolutely. So that we're both in the know. We're for both, moments like this. We're both educating ourselves, bettering ourselves. Indy, the dad exchange student. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, that was fun. And before we move on to Made You Look, I just want to give a quick shout out to my fiance, Jay, who's taking care of our newborn right now. It's her birthday today. We celebrated this weekend, but wanted to wish her a big happy birthday and shout out to her on the pod. Happy birthday, Jay. (laughs) It's a great great day day to be born. Sometimes it falls on President's Day and then it's just like wonderful. I like to think it's like right the perfect amount of time away from Christmas. Can I can I tell you guys very quickly my insane dream last night that's President's Day related? Oh my gosh, yes. (laughs) This is gonna be great. So I woke up in the middle of the night just yelling, No, no. And of course my wife and dog went nuts. In my dream, there was some political like psyop happening related to the fact that President's Day was an anagram for this like like elaborate plot and scheme to like attack us somehow. And you figured it out. And I figured it out. Oh no. Yeah. And then I woke up. Oh. So. What a cliffhanger man. I know. I mean what a better cover though than NBA sideline reporter you're traveling over the country (laughs) if you were like a CIA operative. Nobody would. Nobody would suspect it. Not at all. Not at Except all. now I actually do suspect it. Maybe I'm a Russian agent. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. Too. Can't trust anybody. Okay. <laughs>
What made us look happened actually before the All-Star break, and it happened in the very last game for the Thunder at New Orleans, and it was Steven Adams in his first regular season three-point make. Adams. Oh, he got it to go! Put it up like a baseball pass. And, and it it's was a half-court shot going into halftime at the buzzer, followed by an equally memorable shimmy. It was glorious. It, it was like there was no, no other possible scenario that I would expect. I mean, he threw that ball like 60 feet the way you throw crumpled up piece of paper into the trash can. It was effortless. Just a flick of the wrist and swish. The amazing thing is, in the game against Boston at home, Steven attempted a three right at the end of the quarter from just inside half court. But he shot it like a regular shot. And as he and Chris Paul are walking off the floor, Chris is showing him like how to throw it next time. And so a couple games later, Steven actually does it, and it, I mean, it couldn't have been more perfect. you got to know your strengths. I mean, he's known for the baseball pass, the heave to Dennis Schroeder to win the game. That's just his natural motion. It's perfect accuracy. I just think it's, again, more like Chris Paul mind-melding that he knew that this Elam ending was going to be the perfect thing yeah. to, like, save the All-Star game. He, like, just goes up to Steven. It's like, hey, do it this way next time. The very first time he does it, it, like, is a perfect swish. Just what a coach. Chris is, Chris is up to stuff. Also the shimmy. Can we talk about the shimmy? Where did that come from? It seemed very natural. Yeah, I mean, like, he's, like, had his arms out, and the next thing you know, he's just shimmying to, have, to the sideline. See, for, like, normal people who are not elite athletes, looking that, like, natural and flawless as you do a <laughs> shimmy shake would be very difficult. But we forget that these guys have like are very in tune with every aspect of their bodies <laughs> like can do these things with high levels of dexterity. I like how Nick is going full sports science. I know. Breaking like, down the shimmy. We'll have a full <laughs> slow-mo recap. I'm just trying to make myself feel better for the fact that I can't dance. It's now at that point in our podcast where we want to bless your timeline. And during the All-Star weekend, there was so much happening in Chicago. But for head coach Billy Donovan, his timeline was getting blessed in Florida. He had the O-Dome floor renamed after him on Saturday. And then a little further north, Mike Muscala was getting recognized for at his alma mater at Bucknell getting his jersey retired as well. So it was just a really big weekend for those two outside of all that was happening in Chicago. Great to see both those guys get honored the way that they did, both incredible human beings and, um, you know, their alma maters are very proud of them. <laughs> I, I would imagine, you know, all, of the, all that Coach Donovan's doing for the Thunder right now, following just his illustrious career with Florida, it was obviously a super emotional night for him and for his family, who basically grew up in Gainesville. So it was just really nice to see him get honored, and now the floor will forever have his name on it. And Muscala is really a part of Bucknell's heyday. He was heavily featured in those matchups between Bucknell and Lehigh, between him and C.J. McCollum, four years in a row. So uh, very cool that they were able to memorialize him in sort of that chapter of Bucknell's history. And the fact that he was there all four years. I mean, you don't see that all the time in the NBA, having somebody who came from your alma mater, it's a a mid-major school, having an NBA athlete who was there all four years, representing you very well. No better way to celebrate him. 
Yeah, it seems like maybe they should do that for you, Paris. You know, I feel like there should be just a golden microphone on the sideline, you know? <laughs> just the Paris Lawson Media Row. <laughs> maybe not. That's all for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much to our producers. And until next time, thunder up and catch you later.